0: The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month, he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: This month, my guest on The Compliance Life is Gabe Hidalgo. Gabe is a native New Yorker, and that in many ways has influenced his professional career, leading to his sitting in the CCO chair. He is a first-generation American, went to law school. His early professional life was working as in-house counsel at an insurance company and an insurance defense. After 9-11, he moved into anti-money laundering, focusing on that part of the 9-11 story that he felt he could impact. He worked in a variety of financial institutions and the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Gabe has sat in the CCO chair in two separate banks, and he talks about that. And then he now works at K2 Integrity using his CCO experience to help clients create and implement best practices compliance programs. It's a little bit different journey than several of the CCOs we've talked to, but it's fascinating nonetheless. I know you'll enjoy this month on The Compliance Life featuring Gabe Hidalgo. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this month's series of episodes on The Compliance Life. Today, we have episode one with Gabe Hidalgo. Gabe, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me uh, for this series. Thank you so much for having me on, Tom. Gabe, I wanted to start with your academic and early professional career. Uh, What did you want to be when you grew up and your early professional life? Sure.
0: Um, So I was born and raised in New York City. Um, My parents came from Ecuador. So I was first generation American. Um, I attended Brooklyn Tech High School. And in in my high school, we had majors. So my major was aeronautical engineering. And I think initially in the early stages of my life, I actually wanted to be an Air Force pilot. And I thought um, understanding the engineering aspect of aeronautics would help me in that regard. Uh, I think that was a little bit driven by the movie Top Gun had come out, so everybody wanted to be Tom Cruise at that point. Um, Anyway, I then, when I went to college, um, I basically started to figure out that I I wanted to study political science. It was something that for me was super intriguing, um, but I also wanted something um, that would kind of sharpen my reasoning skills. Um, And so I pursued a concentration in logic, uh, which helped tremendously in, in building arguments and and, and having, uh, you know, successful debates and things like that. And actually, in speaking of debate, I also joined the debate team at my school um, at Marist College, uh, which was fantastic. I enjoyed it a great ton. I had great teammates, everybody was great. I learned a lot um, and it actually helped with my rhetorical skills. So um, initially, When I first arrived at at college, I had an idea that I wanted to be a lawyer, a practicing lawyer. So I felt poli-sci plus logic plus the debate team kind of get me prepared for that. Um, You know, four years later, I graduated um, and then I attended law school. I went to the University of Dayton Law School. Uh, They provided me with a scholarship. And as I always tell everyone, you don't turn down free money. So (laughs) I headed out to Dayton, Ohio for the first uh, probably out of New York State experience as a student for me, and the only one. Um, I went there, studied, I loved it. I think law school's great preparation for a lot of things. It's the way of, they they kind of um, help you formulate your thoughts better. They help you to organize the way that you want to um, debate something or argue something, um, or even structure something from from on a in a document or you know public speaking wise. Uh, I loved my, my law school experience. I graduated after three years, um, then came back to New York, basically had to teach myself New York law to prepare for the New York bar. Uh, thank you to Barbary, by the way, the, the bar preparation service. And then I passed the bar on my first shot and um, began working as an in-house attorney for an insurance company. Um, I did that uh, for the first few years of my legal career, uh, and then switched to outside being outside counsel for an insurance company. Um, those six years, I learned a lot. I learned that I didn't want to be a, a a practicing attorney. Um, I didn't enjoy the uh, the kind of the grind of of being in the law itself. Um, I did have some fun with trials. I think I loved that aspect of it. Uh, I just didn't, I, I didn't enjoy the insurance defense part of it. Um, and it's a great profession. I think if you're, you're a talented attorney, it's something that you can go into, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but that's basically like the beginning of of how I started. Um, but, you know, it was basically a journey from understanding that I wasn't going to be an Air Force pilot to uh, deciding that my freshman year of college, I was going to go to law school. Doing all the things necessary throughout my college career to get me ready for taking the LSATs um, to prepare myself to go to law school, filling out a ton of law school applications, uh, getting back those acceptances, and then figuring out what the best deal law school-wise was, um, and then selecting a, a law school, having those three years of just study, uh, you know, understanding, meeting people from different parts of the country, and then You know, basically coming back to New York and getting ready for the bar exam, which by far is probably the hardest experience I've ever had in my life. Um, If you've never taken the New York State bar exam, it is a it's a experience. uh, I'll say that. Uh, I was in the middle of of the Jacob Javits Center, surrounded by thousands of fellow candidates, and we were all wondering the same thing: Uh, Will we pass this exam? Uh, But yeah, I was very fortunate. I, you know, I, I worked really hard and I was able to pass it on the first shot. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my my career background, my early professional career, the, at least the first six years of my uh, of my career.
1: Gabe, were you the first person in your family to go to college?
0: Um, I was the first person in the United States to go to college. Um, and, and that's really because I was the oldest. Uh, my brother, two years younger. He followed in my footsteps. He attended Boston University. He got his um, degree in international relations, and then followed that up with a MBA from uh, Stern uh, from NYU. So we've, you know, we were the only two kids in our family. Our parents, uh, at the very beginning, always put education at the top. We knew it was the great equalizer. Uh, Being young Hispanic kids, uh, we knew that our path was really through education and then uh, pursuing our goals in the professional field. But without an education, you know, we, were not, we would not be able to achieve the things that we've been able to achieve. Um, but yeah, we were, I was the first one, but in reality that's really because I was the oldest one. Uh, but then my brother followed in my footsteps and, and um, proceeded to not only graduate college, but also attend and graduate uh, NYU uh, to get his MBA.
1: I was interested in your remarks on the bar examination because for me, it was about 10 paces further and I still characterize it as one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, First of all, uh, I did not attend the Barbary course that I paid for. So I spent a week the week before the bar exam uh, cramming as best I could and then took the exam and walked out completely convinced I had failed a bar exam, uh, but I passed. Uh, but I never <clears throat> left the state of Texas after that because I never wanted to take another bar exam, which you <laughs> used to have to do if, if you moved to another state. So uh, I was definitely shell-shocked from that experience. Uh, your early professional career, both as an in-house uh, attorney and in outside counsel, I, um, in a prior life, was a trial lawyer, and I did a lot of uh, insurance defense and coverage work. Did you do either uh, coverage work or other type of work when you were an in-house uh, lawyer? Um, I, I did coverage work and I also did uh,
0: defense. Uh, so for example, uh, the insurance company that, that um, I was working for at the time, um, they were, they had um, personal injury. I shouldn't say personal injury. They had automobile insurance policies that they had issued, uh, and whenever once someone uh, was injured within that automobile, you know, we were tasked with defending uh, the insured uh, for from any claims. Um, in addition to that, there was also uh, home homeowner insurance uh, claims that we were tasked with defending, uh, and then we also had a commercial side uh, where we defended, for example, slip and fall. On the premises of an insured uh pro- on, on a commercial property um where you know for example uh there was a debate as to whether or not uh the insured slipped on the city-owned side of the sidewalk or on the insured's um covered a portion of the of the walkway um and so six years of that um whether it was in-house or outside council kind of you know it, it wasn't my cup of tea i wasn't I felt like I wasn't fighting for the the, the little person. I was defending a, a big insurance company from having to pay out whatever it is that they uh, were trying to avoid. And so, honestly, for me, it was it was uh, it was really just a means to uh, support my family. I had just gotten married right after I passed the bar, um, and then my daughter was born uh, three years well, about two and a half years after I passed the bar. So at that point in my life, my my um, priorities were making sure that I put food on the table for my family. Uh, both my wife and I worked, so we were equal partners, and we want I wanted to make sure that whatever I brought in um, was you know an equitable share, uh, and also supporting my my family. You know, obviously health insurance is is key, especially at a young point, especially with a newborn and newly married. So I wanted to make sure that. Um, Our whole family was covered, the kids and my wife and I were covered with health insurance. And so it was a means to an end. um, And I did that for about six years.
1: Gabe, I think everyone who does insurance defense work uh, at some point comes to the conclusion that you did, that perhaps there's a little bit more to being a lawyer than uh, either defending insurance companies or trying to avoid coverage. But my experience in the coverage work was that it taught me a level of rigor in, uh, I didn't draft policies, but I had to read them and interpret them. And I really learned a lot about the drafting of language and how that language applied uh, based upon the facts of each case. Did you feel like you got uh, some education out of doing the, just the straight coverage work? Yeah, I think the coverage work—you
0: really need it to be precise with language. And I think when you look at the way these policies are drafted, and when we would argue, especially in, in co-insurance um, applications or in the debate of who's covering what, uh, a mis—you know a misplaced and, a misplaced comma, uh, a misplaced phrase, uh, you know, a preposition—all these things um, would open up. The opportunity to create um, lines of argument where there should not have been, had the document been properly drafted. Um, there were, I think, opportunities there for me to kind of hone my interpretive skills when I'm reading documents, which I think has carried over to my into my compliance to my compliance, um, to my compliance uh, career. Uh, you know, for me, I think the coverage part. Was more enjoyable than the straight up insurance part. Uh, that I did not enjoy as much. I actually ended up a lot of times feeling bad uh, for the plaintiffs uh, that we were defending against because I could see that they were in pain. I could see that they suffered some sort of physical malady, um, and and I did not want to be the, uh, the the Grinch telling them that no, that you know they, they should only be compensated for X uh, when I can see the pain when they would walk and I would read the medical reports and all the other things. And and so for me, after a while, I
1: just... Gabe, in my trial experience, uh, when I was uh, actually a trial lawyer, it certainly taught me how to organize and marshal arguments in a way that would be persuasive under the rules of civil procedure and evidence. But when I moved to in-house, what I found from my trial experience was that you had to think through how was a contract going to be interpreted to multiple, I don't want to say stakeholders, but multiple audiences. So uh, if you and I perhaps were reviewing a contract and either debating or arguing between us, that was one audience. Uh, If I had to go to court and argue to a judge in a judge only trial, that was another audience. And then a jury, the ultimate trier of fact could be yet another audience so that I found the Uh, the process of understanding how something would sound to multiple audiences also served me well as an in-house counsel. Did you have either of those experiences when you were in private practice trying cases? Sure, I I think for me, actually, I much
0: preferred a jury trial than I did a trial by judge or um, only because I felt that I would, I have the ability to express myself better to a jury You know, jury selection I think is key. Understanding your audience is key. Uh, Knowing what it is that their the the points of attachment are for them. What the ways that I can express myself or the arguments that I can make really dependent on the composition of that jury. So we have to be very strategic in the way that we selected a jury. Um, I love trial work. I'm not going to lie. That was the best part of it. And I think that's going back to my debate years the ability to select a position on an argument and then fully research, come up with creative ways uh, to interpret different things, and then being able um, to uh, propose those things and to convince people of your, of your viewpoint. I don't think that there's a better um, experience for me from, a, from on the legal side than I had with, with trial. And to be honest with you, uh, in the compliance field, when you're preparing documentation, Uh, One of the the most important things is really understanding who your audience is gonna be. And I think a lot of that does come from the trial work prep, from the debate prep that I've had in the past, understanding who it is that you're gonna speak to and understanding who's gonna read these documents. Um, It helps to make you a better compliance person, I I believe at least, and helps to make you a better writer and a speaker. I definitely loved my trial experience.
1: Gabe, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode where we uh, discuss what put the bug of compliance in your ear. It's one of the most unique stories I've heard and fascinating stories. Uh, if our listeners wanted to follow up with you on any of the uh, topics we've raised in this podcast, Gabe, where can they go?
0: They can go to our website, uh, www.k2integrity.com or they can reach out to me via email, uh, G-H-I-D, as in David, A-L-G-O, at k2integrity.com. Those are probably the two easiest ways for them to, to reach out to the firm and to reach out to me personally.
1: Gabe, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks a lot, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up Another episode with Gabe Hidalgo in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at Tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.